Well, welcome to the podcast. Yes, we've got another great guest from around the world. We've got Mr. Sean Castrina. Yes, he is from Virginia in the USA. He's known as the 10-Minute Entrepreneur. He's done many podcasts. He specializes in helping people and talking about startup of business, which over the last three years, people have really got into this and have seen the opportunities around, but not everyone has done it right. Welcome to the show, Sean. How are you? It's great to be on the show. Mate, you, li- you live in Virginia, over not far from Washington. Uh, have you always been there or did you grow up somewhere else? You know, I grew up north of it um, in Maryland area, but I went to college in Virginia. So yeah, I've been in Virginia probably the last 37 years. So a g- good bit of my time has been here in central Virginia. So are you one of the kids at school, one of the nerdy ones that loved math and loved economics and Sat there in- no, I was a Division One athlete, so I was an average. <laughs> I was an average student, but a, a very good athlete. Well, pretty much the same skill set when it comes to being in business. It's it is one hundred percent the the right skill set. Tenacious, competitive. Uh, you know the value of a team. You you know uh, yeah all that. So you're resilient. You know it's all 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 the qualities I think that make you a great athlete generally carry over very well to entrepreneurship. What was your fondest memory of when you were doing study? Being uh, the athletic part of it. (laughs) You know, I I got some great soccer moments scoring, you know, playing, I was a forward, uh, you know, scoring against uh, a lot of great teams. And then I play, I was a a division one wrestler. Mm. And so that I was a high school state champion, you know, so I did real well there. And then I played tennis. So I I, I liked uh, very different sports, but yeah, yeah, I I, I like sports because they, you know, they teach you to stick with something you know, suck it up, don't quit. And there's, a, you know, winning has a winning is worth the effort. I always I tell my son that I said winning is always worth it. It's, it's, it's always worth it's always worth the sacrifice. It's funny when I talk to a lot of successful entrepreneurs and successful business people about their study, I said, what was more important, study or social? And to a T, the most successful said social. It's, it's yeah, I mean, they all do it. Nobody's ever asked me my GPA no. since I, I, I'm in, you know, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged man. I've never had anybody ask me what my GPA was in high school or what my GPA was in college. And I've had less than five people ask me what school I graduated from. I've had less than three people in my whole life ask me what I graduate, what was my degree. Hmm. Look, you look at Richard Branson, you look at some of the, the top business people around the world, even in every country. I know in Australia, especially. Most of them didn't even finish high school. I mean, it's just, and, once they get an idea, they run with it. They lasted six months. They get bored easy. So what, what was the moment where you decided you were very good at sport, you were very good at the social, but now you talk and you train people about business. That's What happened? What was, the, what was the light bulb moment that you went, oh, shivers, I need to do yeah. something else here? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I had my dream job in my early 20s, and I thought I'd be there forever and just work my way up and be a CEO. And, yeah. and there was a change in leadership, and, and we were all let go. And I realized then that you, there's no job guarantees. That The idea that you're going to work somewhere for 20 or 30 years, in my brain, it sounded really good. But I, once I lost that job, I, at that point, I had no, I knew then that I would do something that was on my own. I wasn't quite sure what it would be, yeah. but I definitely knew that it, I was going to do something that I, I could, and I always say like, if, if I'm 
if I'm on the Titanic, I at least want to try to steer it away from the iceberg. Like, just <laughs> let me at least have a, 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 you know, let me get onto that wheel. I don't want to be in the back of the boat. So from that point on, I, I knew I'd want to start companies and, and that's pretty much what I've done for the last 35, you know, geez, uh, 30 years. We'll get onto starting companies and, you know, the mistakes and the good things people make. People quite often in podcasts concentrate on what's, you know, the three or four biggest mistakes, but there's always a lot of stuff that people do right. Where did the weekend MBA thought come from? It was about, a, you know, a year ago, I was actually, I, I was texting with Brad Lee, who's big in the United States. And I was, we were just talking about how a lot of the business conferences don't really give you stuff that you can actually, you know, it's all motivation. It's all hype mm. or it's all sales. And, and we're just talking about how, you know, they, there needs to be some type of event where you actually learn the granular stuff or learn what a PL statement looks like. And, you know, understand that, learn what a business plan looks like, uh, learn how to, you know, should you franchise your company? Uh, should you partner with other people? Just try to really look at maybe 12 to 16 subjects and look at it far more deep. And hmm. so I really got passionate about that idea of doing something like that. And, you know, we'll be doing that again this year, April 28th and 29th. And it's just the idea of having a weekend where you learn from true entrepreneurs on, yeah. on what you, what, what you may not be, you know, what you may be missing, what you, you know, there typically there's something that you don't know that's keeping you from going to the next level or there, you know, you, you, you kind of got it, but you're kind of missing that one, you know, that one little something, you know, maybe you should franchise your company. Maybe you need a partnership. Maybe mm. you need, you know, how, why isn't it scaling, you know, all, all that stuff. So we try to bring in some of the best people and, and have them share, their, their experience on how to do it. And it was a tremendous success last year. And I'm sure this year it'll be great as well. Look, I couldn't agree more. I was actually at a conference three weeks ago in Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. And every person they had on stage was a business owner who earns over a million dollars in their pocket. Yeah. yeah. And well, you can they learn all had a different from that. message. And I, I took away what four pages of notes, but I didn't write down everything they said, as the facilitator said, listen to what they say and see what works for you. And one of the most successful guys, people said to him, "How? what's the average tenure for the sales staff in your business? And everyone knows sales staff do turn over quite a bit. He said, 13 years. That's incredible. And, I, and they said, and what about the average sales? As in commission, base plus commission. They all earn more than him. And people went looked and he said, and I'm incredibly happy about that. He said, because that's mean my business model works. My staff are happy. And it shocked a lot of people, but it was a good shock. Uh, so you're so right. I mean, I got a lot out of that weekend. And to put yeah, all different you people, can be around, Yeah, whenever you can be around people who are doing it and have done it, and, you know, they're and actively in the grind. Yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity. And the best thing about this was, and you would know this too by doing your weekend MBA, they all walked off stage and during the breaks were there to talk to. They weren't selling books. They weren't selling anything. Yeah, we don't let anybody sell any anything. Question. Yeah, we don't let anybody sell anything. Yeah, it's you're there to learn, you know, and, and try to make yourself available, you know, to the audience mm. and, and bring value and try to change their lives. And I mean, that that's the goal. See if, you know, what you have, you know, one piece of advice, you can share one piece of advice and it might be that missing ingredient 
that you know somebody in the audience has and it takes their business to a whole different level. So you're a serial entrepreneur. Was it only early on uh, when you started businesses that they didn't work or did you have you had the odd bump in the road along the way? Oh, yeah. In the beginning, I thought I couldn't fail. Like my first few were did really well. And then I started hubris takes over your your cockiness, your arrogance, and yes. you don't you think you can start any business. Yes. And we generally all have a lane. We always have something, a core competency or a formula that works mm-hmm. for us. And, and it may be able to you know span a couple industries, but we can't typically do A and Z. You know, they're, they're too far apart. And, and it's only when I tried to do Z, you know, something that I didn't understand at all had just was completely out of my competency, completely had no synergy with any of the companies I currently owned. Yeah. They were the ones that failed. And, uh, and, and now I know I have kind of a formula going forward. You know, there has to be synergy with existing companies I have. Um, you know, a, you know, Peter can't rob from Paul, so I, I can't take money from a, a good company to fund a bad company. The, you know, the new company has to stand on its own two feet. That's typically what we do when we're entrepreneurs. We, we, we siphon money off from something that's working yeah. to something that's not because we hang on too long to the one that's not because we don't want to take the loss. Yeah. We don't want to take that failure. And I've learned if I can't get a business going within 90 days, it, I either need a massive pivot quickly or it's done. I, I don't have the patience for it because it's my money. I don't have anybody backing my businesses. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to go a year. I don't need a year to know it's bad. Yeah. I, I watched, uh, there was a, there's a show that came out of America where they put three millionaires in a town and they get 90 days to make a million dollar build business. And uh, they're all, I knew one of the, one of the three, and they all had three different approaches. But they all said the same thing. In 90 days, you know if that business is going to work or not. That's why they say absolutely. 90 days. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. To me, every business I've ever had, I knew early on whether it would succeed. The ones that failed, I pretty much knew early on. And by 90 days, I was just trying to figure out how to dump it. If you looked at your first 10 years of being an entrepreneur, what's the biggest mistake you made as in decision? And what's the biggest the other way decision you made that wasn't a mistake that absolutely rocked. I think in the beginning is, um, oh gosh, probably probably trying to do too many businesses at once in the beginning, instead of just just drilling down, focusing on one and and really scaling Mm. it to maybe the next level. I I had many things that were working, but I'm curious if I had to put all my focus on one where mm. I could have taken it to. So I think sometimes we we chase too many shiny objects. Yeah. So I think I think early on that was probably, you know, one of my weaknesses. And what about on the good side? What's something you did that really surprised you and uh I think that I mean, goal, I, as we say, being a sports. Yeah, person. yeah. I mean, I've I've had a few that have really exceeded. I had a magazine that was in 21 cities. I had a I I started a construction company that is just an absolute conglomerate that does extraordinarily well. I started it as a handyman company mm-hmm. only because I couldn't get anybody to, I tried to do a project at my house and I couldn't get anybody to do it. And it drove me crazy. And I don't mm-hmm. know the difference between a screwdriver, two screwdrivers. I mean, I don't know anything about it. And I'm like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I started a handyman company that ended up turning into a multi-million dollar company. And then we just kept adding on and adding on. Never saw that coming. 
And then, uh, you know, and then I did re, about three years ago, I started a digital marketing company because I wanted to have it to handle the marketing for my existing companies. I wanted to have an in-house digital marketing company. So, and then it, that has well exceeded, we're getting ready to franchise it. And, and that business, will, you know, end up being, a, you know, an eight, nine figure business. So I never saw that coming either. So the ones that really did great, I didn't, I, I, I didn't think they had the top end that they do. Hmm. So I've been fairly surprised over the years. You spoke early on about you've got a set formula. The one thing that COVID's done, apart from the obvious health issues, was it's opened up massive business opportunities for people who actually opened their eyes and saw. Uh, and this, I was speaking to the CEO of one of Australia's largest charities, and COVID was a good thing. And, and I said, what do you mean? She said, it forced us to pivot. It forced us to look at new ways to raise money, made us a lot leaner, and they've actually come out of it exponentially massive with the amount of money they're now raising, and they're doing it so much easier and so much smarter, as we call it. With business people now, especially with entrepreneurs, if someone's sitting in front of you, they've got their business ID, they're passionate about it, it's something they love. Looking back now with all your experience, what do you say to them? How, what is the best thing we can say to people when they're about to start up their first entrepreneur, their first business? This is what you need to do, mate, as we would say in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing you need to test the idea just because you have an idea does not mean it is a good idea. Yep. So get it out of your, get it out of your head and, and bounce it around some smart people. Try to beta test it if you can, you know, however you can test it. I always say, you know, test the soup before you serve it. Like there's no guarantee. Yeah, yeah. You really need to do that. So I think the biggest thing is you want to make sure that there's a wanting audience. The, the number one thing I tell you, yeah. make sure there is a wanting audience for what you have. Make sure that you have a message. Test it that people mm. want to hear. So if you don't know how, if you don't have a wanting audience and you don't know how to speak their language, you don't know how to attract that customer. I don't care what you're selling. It's not going to work. So the big thing I tell people is, is that, okay, you know, who is it that's going to be buying what it is? Mm. And what is going to be your, how are you going to sell it to them? What, what's going to be your value proposition that makes them buy from you as opposed to company B and what are you going to do, you know, that makes you, you know, dramatically different than them or, you know, makes them want to buy from you? I think they're the, the biggest problem is we just launch businesses and they're just so average that there's nothing great about it. it it's a business that offers something that nine other businesses do, but there's yeah. nothing that makes them stand out. And, and I think you have to say what you need. I, I said this, what promise could you make that if your target customer heard it? and knew you could deliver on it, they would chase you down for your business, chase you down for your business. That's how you start a business. You want to have a value proposition that is so good that they can't say no to you. That if they tell their friends, their friends call you. That, that, that you want to have that kind of value proposition. I ordered a Rolex. It's the example. I ordered two Rolexes, actually. One for my son and one for me. One for my son as a gift because he helped me with the weekend MBA. I ordered that thing almost a year ago. So they call me like a week ago and yeah. say, you know, Sean, we don't know when it's coming. Do you want your deposit back or you want to wait? I said, no, I'll wait. Why? Because it's a Rolex. Yeah. Right. It's a Rolex. That's why. 
Yeah. Now, would I wait for a Timex? Would I wait for you know a Citizen? Would I wait for an Apple Watch? Would I wait? There is not a lot of watches that I would let anybody hold the deposit that they're holding hmm. because it's a Rolex. So you, you need to have something that's so big, so good, solve such a problem, so needed that people will chase you down for your business. And then you need to figure out how to communicate that value proposition in the, the way that I'm saying it in such a way that like, ah, they can do that. They can do that. That product's that good. I got to buy it. Do you think a lot of startups see confused value proposition with price? They think by giving something at a cheaper price, they're giving people better value, which to yeah, me and that, and is And that's the dumbest thing possible. When yeah. have you ever bought something that was cheap and thought it was better than something that was expensive in your yeah. whole life? Seriously, just ever, when you buy a $5 sandwich in America and you buy a $15, you know, sandwich, there's a difference between the two, okay? <laughs> there's a reason why there's premium gas and not premium gas. I'll tell you this, I, I have very nice cars. There is a big difference when I close the door of my BMW and I close the door of the company Kia. There's hmm. a reason why there's a $60,000 difference in, in the price of those vehicles. So, you know, you can decide if you want to service the lowest end, well, I, that's okay, but you better service a lot of them. <laughs> you better, you know, you better sell something that you can sell in absolute masses, such volume, because it, it's hard to win when you're at the bottom price-wise. You, you better win in volume then. We did, a, we did a survey at work the other day and I asked people about real estate agents. I said, how do you pick one? And they all said the car they drive. And they said, what do you mean? They said, if they're driving a nice car, they're not driving, and this isn't against Kia, Yeah. but if they're driving a Kia, a Hyundai, or they're driving a BMW, a Mercedes, a Lexus, doesn't matter the age of the the car, I will go with them because they're successful. And it does work. I, I said, I own a construction company. I don't drive pickup trucks or anything even close to that. I drive a black Mercedes AMG. And, and my clients look at me and I always say to them, I said, if you sue me, you get something. And they laugh and they think about it. And they're like, yeah, I mean, he must be doing pretty well. He's driving, you know, a very nice vehicle, but it's true. I mean, I always tell, I, I joke with my clients, I go, do you really want to do business with someone who's broke? True. I mean, how good is their business if they're broke? Do you really want to give them a hundred thousand dollar deposit check on a job? If they're struggling financially, they can't manage their own finances. I go, come on. And, and I know that. So that's why I have really top tier clients. Uh, so yeah, the, I think the race to the bottom doesn't work. Yeah, I, I, I saw an uh, interview between two very successful real estate agents the other week. And they were giving each other a bit of lip, as we say in Australia. And one was bragging about the car he had. And the other one said, well, you know, this is mine. Well, this is yours. This is mine. This is yours. And the agent who ran with a just as successful as him with a much smaller team, much smaller even just turned around to him and said, but I own mine. Oh, yeah. There you go. Then there's a difference here. <laughs> and, and you can see that. I mean, these were two good mates. Yeah, yeah. And it blew him away. But there was a lesson around business for that. He didn't update his roles all the time because once he got to own it, he just yeah. kept it. Oh, and I agree with that. I joke with my wife, like the AMG we have. I go, I can't see any reason why we have, I 
two really nice cars. Mm. And I was saying, I said, I can't imagine a reason I would get rid of them within 10 years. Nah. It, it, I mean, I had, you know, the AMG, I, like it is gorgeous. It's beautiful. I said, I, I can't imagine getting rid of it within 10 years. And then I have the M4 BMW hardtop. I'm like, mm. it, every time I get in it, I'm, it's almost five years old. I'm like, I'm shocked. It still feels like the day I bought it. Yeah. I've, now, I've got a three you, series. So I know what you're saying. When you when you typically do well financially, you're there is a frugal side of you. Oh yeah, well, it's, it's we bought the, ours, and this is ones. The, yeah, it's the young it, ones that spend all their money. Hundred percent. When it comes to business, people also got to reward themselves. When we got to a certain stage in our life, we went and bought a BMW. Yeah, and we didn't buy it until we were at a certain stage. Exactly. A lot of business people I see don't reward their own success. They put well, the, the idea words, of this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't buy into the, I mean, there's this minimalist mentality to some degree. Yeah. Be, I, I have nice vehicles and I, and I have found that when I interview employees and they see my car out there, they know their paycheck is good. I've had, yes. I can't tell you how many of them have said to me, you know, cause in construction, the idea is you might get ripped off. You won't get paid well, when they come to our office, which I own and the digital marketing and the office mm. there too. And even the, when I started the digital marketing company, they're like, well, we, we saw what you drove. So we kind of knew you were doing well. They, they, listen to me. They, people are going to look at what you've done and there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, I have a really nice house as well. But again, I, I, I put away 10% of my income for over 30 years yeah. away. And so I'm, you know, there's money I never touch for any reason. And, 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 you know, and, and, you know, I buy the business, you know, the, the dirt underneath my companies. So, you know, I do things like that. So, I mean, I, I like nice things, but I, I have financial principles that I follow and putting away 10% and never touching it and owning the ground underneath my, you know, my personal house and my companies is one of them as well. You, you've mentioned this a couple of times, image. Now, I, when I've taken some people and I, I took a, a business owner, and we were standing on the other side of the counter to use the terminology. And he was saying how good he is and da-da-da-da-da. But he said, you know, he had a problem in this area and that. And I said, that, that's good. He said, what do you mean? He said, let's go to the outside of the building. And he said, what do you mean? He said, let's go outside and have a look. What does someone see when they walk up? Now, image is the building where your office is. It's Absolutely. your website. It's your logo. It's everything to do. And I said, let's stand and have a look. And, we, and I said, now, pretend you're a customer. Would you buy from you? I, and I got, I I got silence. My question is, how important is it when someone is starting up to get professional help around your logo, your image, and your branding? Yeah, I, I think initially you want to have your brand reflect what would be attractive to your target customer. Example, if your target customer is over 40, then don't come out with like a cartoon, cutesy type of logo. So I always say, know who your target customer is as best you can understand it mm. early on and build everything around what they want to buy, the type of person they want to buy from. Mm. So again, figure out your target customer. That's the person that's most likely to buy from you and then build your brand around attracting that target customer. If you've ever watched a golf tournament or a tennis tournament, there are you know, people that advertise on those are a lot different than the ones who advertise on in NASCAR, you know, mm. here in America, it, it's different or horse racing. I mean, it's, it's a different, you know, it's a different consumer. So I think your brand is important. And I, I think if you, if you, you just need to look, 
again, I, I, I'm not saying, you know, everybody has a different image that they want and that's completely mm. up to you, but know who your target customers example, if I'm selling barbecue here in the United States, well, that's a different target customer than if I'm selling steak. There's nothing wrong with either one of those, but it's a different brand position. It's a different brand image. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you can sell the same product to two different areas just with a different packaging. Oh, absolutely. So I think it is. I think our our tendency is, is that we, we, what happens is five and 10 years into owning a business, we need to open our eyes and look and everything looks like crap. The building's not any better. Uh, We haven't updated anything or, staffs were in old worn out shirts, you know, with logos on them. I mean, I think you always have to say, are you, it, would you buy, like you said, would you buy from you? You're always trying to keep your image looking professional and, and fitting the price point that you're trying to get. If you look, you know, old and cheap and all that, you, you're going to probably get a, you know, you're going to receive that kind of compensation for your products and or services. Yeah, that's true. What you do put out there is what you receive. And it's never so true than in business. Now we've seemed to, with a bit of God willing, come out the other side of COVID and go on to whatever the new norm will be. We don't really know that yet. Uh, It has turned the digital space upside down. It's turned the office space upside down. We're still working on the balance there. Where do you see is going to be the biggest challenges for new entrepreneurs in the next five to 10 years when they're starting a business? I, I mean, clearly, I think you always have to start a business now knowing that something like that could happen pandemic wise. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you have to. So you kind of you need to bake that into the cake of, you know, you know how, how restaurants would do business. I mean, restaurants that can't do delivery uh, carry out and mm. things of that nature. I mean, to me, that would be extremely foolish. Uh, I think you have to just be, you know, have a workplace where, you know, I mean, I, I, I would have a workplace that's kind of a hybrid. Like if I, I wouldn't have people in there probably five days a week, I would, even if it was just four days in and one day, mm-hmm. just because if it happened, we're positioned to work from home. True. So I, I think the biggest thing is, is that y- you've seen the writing on the wall. So of course it could happen. And, and, and if you're not right and will, so position yourself for that. Uh, knowing that, and that means also, you know, putting money away in cash reserves, because you realize that, you know, things, you know, things can get shut down. I mean, that's the reality of it. And if you're two weeks away from going under, you know, you're not going to survive. So anyone who's watching this uh, online with YouTube and that, they'll see behind you the 10 minute entrepreneur. What's that about? Uh, That's my podcast. That is a top podcasts in the world and entrepreneurship and marketing. So yep. I, I'm one of them where I don't have a great deal of patience. So my business partners, they, I always speak quickly and to the point. And so they came up with this idea. They go, you should just do it on a podcast so we could just listen to it. Yeah. That way we wouldn't even have to come into the office. You could just kind of do it on a podcast. And so four years ago, I did started the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast based yeah. on just dropping quick nuggets to my business partners. Yeah. And then it kind of took a life of its own. And so if you, yeah, if you like to learn something about business in a very shorter, you know, quick format, 10 to 20 minutes, uh, that's definitely the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast. If I could put you in a, in a bar in Washington and give you two entrepreneurs in the world you've never met, who would you going to sit with? Oh, I mean, I, Elon Musk definitely blows yeah. me away. And then I, you got to love Jeff Bezos. 
I mean, I, you know, you couldn't go wrong with either of those. I mean, I, I could go on and on, you know, I, I think if I could have, you know, I'd love to have lunch with like Warren Buffett, you know, I mean, cause he's an entrepreneur in just a different way. Cause he just buys companies. I love what he looks for in companies and things like that, but yeah, how you couldn't go wrong with Elon, you know, you could, uh, you couldn't go wrong with Richard Branson. <laughs> There's a, you know, I can think about four or five that I would love, you know, I, I don't put any of them, any kind of high, they're all just amazing, you know, amazing to me. So last two questions, what's the biggest message you want to say to someone who is listening to the podcast and is thinking of starting their first business? Entrepreneurship is great, but it's not for everybody. And yeah. it's okay if you're not an entrepreneur. My daughter is a third grade school teacher. Okay. My son's an entrepreneur. Love both of them equally, obviously. So, you know, if you're typically, if you're an entrepreneur, you have a little bit of higher tolerance for risk. Mm. Um, you like to, you like to control things. You're a little mm -hmm. bit of a control freak. Uh, typically, you're a good salesperson, communicator, you know, a little bit of high energy, a little bit of hype type of person. I'm saying the good ones. Yeah. yeah. The good ones have that. I, I'd say, you know, and, and, you know, if that's you and you've got a good idea, you know, something that people want, hey, try it. Worst case scenario, you, it doesn't work and you figure it out and you, maybe your second one does well. Or you become, you know, or you one day you end up as an employee. There's no wrong answer, but I always say, just do it. You'll probably regret what you didn't do more than what you did do. So, so yeah. just go out there and do it, but it doesn't mean you have to go all in. I always tell people think like a pup tent in America, you know, this is like a three pole tent that can barely handle like a little rainstorm. You don't have, your business does not have to be a dream house initially. It just needs enough to get off the ground to see if it works so that, you know, you, you start pivoting quickly. You start going, okay, that's working. That's not working. So you don't have to, you know, get a big home equity line of credit or, you know, I don't know how it is in other countries, but you do it for the least amount of money possible for that to get it off the ground. Remember how I said, you'll know in 90 days, if it's yeah. working, the, the business will allow you to bootstrap it to the next level. Yeah. Awesome. Look, some of the stuff you said today is fantastic. I mean, if anyone is even in business and they're looking at relaunching, they should be getting in contact with you. Where do people find you, Sean? SeanCastrina.com. They can get my book, The Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. It's free at SeanCastrina.com. You'll also be notified of the weekend MBA. And I'm on Instagram at Sean.Castrina. And I'm always dropping good information there. So either of those and the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast. So you got my website for a free book, Instagram and, or the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast. Mate, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. I love people who walk the walk, talk the talk. You've been there, you've done it. You're not someone who's just making it up and reading off a screen. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for spending your time today on the podcast. And as we say at the end of every one of our podcasts, have a groovy day.